Okay, Boker Tov, we continue on Yud, Dalit, Amin, Beis. Let's just review the question. As we said, uh, Gemara uh, made a statement that a baby can get a haircut only if it's born on Cholamoid, but if a baby who was born before cannot get a haircut on Cholamoid. The Gemara then asked the question on that. It said that, uh, and and he said because um, whoever is um, allowed is allowed to take a haircut on cholamoid. Then we said whoever can take a haircut on cholamoid can take a haircut during the avelus. And then it said that that now the problem is going to be. So what about? A uh, young child, and we said that the young child, uh, we says rips his garments because of agmas nefesh, but not his agmas nefesh, but everybody else's agmas nefesh, which seems to say the child is not included in the problem of the prohibition of getting haircuts during the shiva. So it seems to contradict if he's allowed to get a haircut on. If he's not allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid, why is he allowed to get a haircut on the, Ave- and the Avelus, even though the other issues are because of other people's mourning, but he doesn't have any mourning? So how do you resolve that? So Ravashi's going to give a simple answer, because the, the question doesn't begin. There's three elements to this question. You have the original statement that the child cannot get a haircut on Cholomoid. Then you had a Bryce that says, whoever can get a haircut on Cholomoid can get a haircut on Avelos. And then it seemed that the child could get a haircut during Avelos. So that's the problem on the original statement. So Ravashi, Ravashi says, hold on, let's hear exactly what that middle Bryce has said, and let's not be so quick on the deductions. Amar Ravashi, did the Brisa actually state, but those who are prohibited to cut their hair during Cholomed are prohibited to cut their hair on the morning period? That was only a deduction. It only said what was permitted. Where the Brisa says, whoever can get a haircut on Cholomed can get a haircut during Avelus. You deduced that whoever cannot get a haircut on Cholomed cannot get a haircut during Avelus. That's not what the Brisa said. Because perhaps, maybe, yes, if you're permitted to get a haircut on Cholomite, you're permitted during Avelus. But if you're prohibited during Cholomite, does not necessarily follow that you're prohibited during Avelus. Don't be fast on the deductions. Right? If it would have said, if you can't get a haircut on Cholomite, you can't get a haircut during Avelus. It didn't say that. It said, if you can get a haircut, then you can't. But doesn't mean the opposite... Dilma, perhaps, yesh mehen also, there are those who are prohibited to get a haircut, acholamoid, yesh mehen mutter, but there are those who are permitted during the morning period. It's not necessarily a correlation. That is, Shmuel cannot be challenged on the strength of an inference drawn from the Brysa. For the Brysa does not express, speak expressive of those who are forbidden to cut the hair. The Brysa told only that those who are permitted to cut their hair on Cholomoid may also do so during the morning period. 
the Brysa could thus hold that of those who are prohibited to cut the hair during Cholomoyed. There are some who are prohibited during Cholomoyed and some who are not. In other words, if you can get a hair in Cholomoyed, no question, you can get one during Cholomoyed. But if you can't get a Cholomoyed, then it might be some yes, some no. So therefore, that's not, you can't ask a question. So that's the way it, they we answered that. More now is going to do the exact same thing we just did, but just flip it around. The following. Amemar, okay, there's another version of Shmuel's original statement, the question and the answer. So it's going to be flipped around. So Amemar, the Etam, and some say Rav Shisha, Brader of Edi, Masnehacha. They did the teaching of Shmuel differently, okay? Instead of saying, originally Shmuel said, I can't get a haircut on Cholomoid if he was born before. There's another iteration of Shmuel. Omer Shmuel is the exact opposite of what we had just said. Shmuel says, Cotton Cotton can always get a haircut on Cholomoid. Doesn't matter if he was born on Cholomoid or before. So two ver- versions of Shmuel. Ah, so you can get haircut all the time. And now, instead of asking a question from the Brysa and Shmuel, now we're going to say the Brysa is a proof to Shmuel. Omer Rav Pinchas, Rav will now say, We also have a Brysa that supports that idea. Those who we said were allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid, are allowed to get a haircut during the Avelis. The diuk is, the inference is, if you can't get a haircut on Cholamoid, you can't get a haircut on the Avelis. Now, see, if you'd say a child is not allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid, means he couldn't get a haircut during the Avelis, and then you tell me a Kohen has, a cotton has Avelis. Ah, but that's not the case. Vatani, we learned in our Bible, we rip the garments for a cotton, because of our sadness, but not because of his. So you see, it must be, that's why he gets a haircut on Cholomoy, and he gets a haircut during Avelis. So that's the proof to that point that he could always get a haircut. To which Ravashi says, it's no proof. You're making an improper inference. Um, Ravashi, Ravashi says, Meek, Tony, it did not say specifically, Ha'asurim, if you're prohibited, then you're also prohibited. No. Dilma, maybe, Yeshman, Asur, maybe even though you're, you're per, per, permitted, but still there are those that are prohibited. The Mut and those that are allowed. So the Bryce could very well hold that of those who are prohibited to cut their hair during Chalmoid, some are, in fact, allowed to, like a mourner. So it's everything we had, just the reverse of everything else. Okay, fine. So it's a machlokas about this idea, if a child is. We paskin, we paskin, a child could get a haircut, regardless. Regardless. He can get it, because he's not chayim in mitzvahs, and if it's bothering the kid, you know, kids are different. We are generally more lenient with children. Okay. Next point. And now, again, we, we discussed the philosophical issues. But now, uh, so we're getting into all these ideas. Now we talked about a mourner. We slipped into mourning. So therefore, we're going to go further into that topic. Because we made a connection between Holloway and mourning. 
So therefore, Avel Eina Noeg Aveluso Berego. A mourner does not conduct his mourning on a festival. That refers to both Yontif and Chol Hamoed. Mourner does not conduct himself with laws of mourning. Now, there's a big machlokas rishonim if he must observe aspects of mourning that are private, that people do not see, which makes a lot of sense. You'll see why. Ramban maintains he must, even things that are in private, must hold the mourning. Rambam holds he does not. Okay, we'll see a little later on. Well, if you want to get to sock, it's going to be more later on relevant. So it's a big issue. Do you have to keep things that are private or not? Uh, as we'll see from the Gemara here, the reason why a mourner does not conduct Avelus, so you'll see in a minute what this will all depend on. Shenemar. Okay, let's get to the idea. What do we know about Yontif and Cholomoy? It says, V'somachta v'chagecha. You shall rejoice on your festival. That's all seven days of Sukkot. It's not just Yantav, it's Cholomite. You must rejoice. Okay, so now, what does that mean? Now, the question is, what's the situation of Avelos vis-a-vis the Chag? It could be in one of two situations. A person can be a mourning in mourning before Yantav. The relative died two days before Yantav. So he's supposed to go seven days. Now all of a sudden, Yontif comes. That's one scenario. Second scenario, it's Yontif. And on Chol HaMoed, he, he becomes, quote-unquote, a, a close relative dies and should become a mourner, but does not become a mourner because of Yontif. So there's two scenarios that we're saying that mourning is not conducted on a holiday. And the Gemara goes through the two scenarios. If there was a pre-existing morning and he still has more days to go, but Yontav comes along, the positive mitzvah of the public commandment of rejoicing in the festival, because that mitzvah was given to the Jewish people collectively, was said to all of us, or we could say it's a public commandment because the entire Jewish people joined together to celebrate it. So it's either it was a mitzvah given to everybody. I mean, all Jews celebrate. You have an obligation to celebrate Sukkot. And not only that, but they all celebrate it together. So that comes along and pushes off the dochi, pushes off the asay, the yochid, the the positive mitzvah of the individual. Wow, what does that mean? It says in your mio, Evel yochid asilach. Mourn for it as if an only child. Rashi does not intend to lose the proof yochid as proof that mourning is a commandment of the individual. Even though yochid is often translated individual, here it connotes only a child. Indeed, no special scriptural proof is needed to establish the obvious that mourning is only for those who have actually suffered the loss, and it's not a communal obligation. Rather, Rashi quotes the Jeremiah verse to support the pod, the Gemara's calling mourning a positive command. Interesting. If I would ask you, before I had this Pasuk, 
the fact that we have to mourn, is it a positive command or a negative command? Many would think it's negative. Why? Because all things you can't do. But then that would be assuming, you know what that would mean? Said, well, I guess, uh, is Shabbos a positive commandment or a negative commandment? <laughs> the answer is it's both. Positive and negative. Positive to keep the Shabbos. Negative not to desecrate the Shabbos. Here, you see, it's, it's a positive commandment to mourn. Why can it be also negative? Uh, it not as, uh, because it's not the same like Shabbos. Uh, I'll explain that in a second. It's a good question. I'll explain the question. Gemara's reference to mourning is a positive commandment implies it's of biblical origin. Ah, so now we got another machlokas coming along. However, the Rishonim citations are derived from prophets. He just quoted Yermio, which cannot be a source of a biblical law. See, Tosas here suggests that when no shlomim offering is brought, rejoicing in the festival is also not biblically mandated. Now we got another issue. Is there a public, is there biblical myths of rejoicing on the holidays today without a base on Mikdash? Can you really rejoice without a base on Mikdash? You're not bringing a Corbin. wasn't just a barbecue. This was not just, oh, you can have a barbecue anywhere. This was Mamish going in and your Mamish giving Hashem a gift and Hashem accepts your gift and you're eating at Hashem's table. This is something to be happy about. Okay? So anyway, so whole discussion about whether mourning is... So we have two discussions here. Whether mourning is rabbinic or biblical in general and is celib- being happy on Yontif nowadays rabbinical or biblical. You can see all the, uh, the various possibilities over here. But anyway, we see clearly though, whether biblical or rabbinic, it's not important right now, that it is a positive commandment. So what's the positive commandment? To mourn, mourning is a positive commandment. We are for many reasons to uh, reflect on the, what do we say, the, the, the special nature of life and to uh, respect the dead and uh, again, as we said, to come to terms with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with what he does, it's all the positive commandment. So again, why all the restrictions? So that you can focus on the positive commandment. Again, the fact that you, if you're going to just, a mourner cannot work, cannot shave, cannot, you know, um, um, be, sit comfortably on the well, ground, cannot have intimate relations. That's all, those are all physical things. And the whole idea of mourning is to focus on the spiritual realities of life. The positive mitzvah to give yourself therapy. Remember, all mitzvahs are for our benefit. Some may not be as obvious, others are more obvious. They're all for our benefit. Here it is so clearly, if you're focusing on the death and you're mourning properly, you'll end up being a normal person. That's the positive mitzvah. The negative parts are, don't do things that will distract you from that. Okay, so that's why it's only a positive mitzvah, not a negative. So Sammy then asked, wait a minute, why does Shabbos have a negative it has a positive? So on the one hand, you'd say, well, isn't the fact we shouldn't be doing work so it shouldn't distract us from the positive nature of Shabbos? And therefore, why is that a prohibition? The answer is there's a second layer to Shabbos. The second layer to Shabbos 
is that what's the focus is that God is the creator and you're not the creator. You're not the creator. That's part of the positive mitzvah of knowing that why do we keep Shabbos? Basically to declare that Hashem is the creator and we are not the creator. <coughs> so if I work, that means I am the creator. Shabbos has to have a negative component together with the positive component. There's the positive component of Hashem is the creator and we should therefore cling to Hashem. Just like you have positive commandment of believing there's a God, negative commandment, not worshiping idols. You can't say, I believe in Hashem 100%. Really? So why are you worshiping the idol? It can't, you, can't, it, you can't say, I believe in God and this and this, but I also believe in an idol. So the same thing, Shabbos is there to reinforce the fact that there is a God who created the world. And we cannot work to realize that, because if I work, that counters that whole idea and that you believe there's something else that creates. So therefore, you're not allowed to do it. By mourning, it's just the fact is there's only really a positive aspect, and but we don't want the positive aspect to be interfered with. Here on Shabbos, it's not just the positive interfered with, then you're transgressing, believing there's another power other than Hashem. So you have a positive mitzvah to rehabilitate yourself during mourning. Either going to do it or not. So if you do it, fine. And if you're distracting yourself, you're not doing it. But that's one focal point. There's only one focal point. You need therapy. Give yourself the therapy. That's what the morning's about. Understand the preciousness of life. Understand what life really is. Understand that he's not dead forever. He'll continue, etc., etc. Recover from this devastating blow, right? And therefore, for whatever reason, person never may never have to be a mourner. Why? What if he dies before his parents die? So obviously, a person here's the point: a person can live a healthy life without having to do this. In other words, but don't you have to keep all 613 mitzvahs? Yeah, but you see, Hashem said you don't need it. You don't need it because I did not create a situation that you have to sit and mourn. Okay, so now I don't have to do it. Shabbos, you don't have a choice. Every week you got to keep Shabbos. Every week you have to declare positively, connect to Hashem. The real positive mitzvah of Shabbos is living in Olam Haba. That's the real positive notion of the mitzvah. We want you to live as if you are in Olam Haba. Positive. Negative, don't think you're the creator. Those are two separate things. I know, but why? I know that's the tech... That's the technical. You're right on the technical aspect. But why did God do that? Let's go a step further. That's what that was really what was Sammy's the depth of his question. Because yeah, it just says Shomer's other thing. So well, why did God do it that way? So God did it. There's two aspects to Shabbos. Separate aspects to Shabbos. You know, what if a guy is uh, enjoying the Shabbos and he's mamish meditating and this and this? And to help him meditate, he lights a cigarette. Hmm. Actually, I knew somebody once said, oh, on Shabbos, I really like, I enjoy gardening, and I, That's I right. feel close to Hashem because I'm doing my gardening. So this is the same idea. That's right. So it, it just can't be. But, so, but morning, you could see that. Anyway, the point is, there's a positive mitzvah for the masses, 
and that we should enjoy the yontif, there's a positive mitzvah for the individual to rehabilitate himself. But the positive mitzvah of the masses pushes away the positive mitzvah of him. Because if he is mourning in public, or mourning at all, everybody's going to be depressed as well. And there's more people, it's more important that everybody should be celebrating. Or, the other case is, via Vilas to Hashto, but if he's, let's say, mourning already before Yontif comes into place, so now, we got it's already here. The positive mitzvah is here. The first case, the positive mitzvah didn't come yet. No. We had the, the positive public mitzvah of Yontif. Now you want to bring in a positive individual. I can't have that positive one push off the mitzvah for the masses. But the second scenario is we already have the positive mitzvah has been engaged. He already is sitting shiva. So there's a positive mitzvah. The positive mitzvah cannot and push off the positive mitzvah of the masses. And therefore, if a person dies on Chol HaMoed, we bury the person, V'zehu. And that's it. You don't do anything else. And when Eretz Yisrael, not Eretz Yisrael, but in Europe, when there was two days of Yontif and the cemetery was very close by, you could bury the person on the second day of Yontif. Which really is a suffix if it's Chol HaMoed. Now you don't bury, you have a goy do it, all these other things. It was not unusual at all because on the one hand, other hand, you want to bury the person as quickly as possible. Right. So that is, that's logistic, when it's logistically possible. Now it's logistically impossible. It's, you just can't do it. You, 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 you can't, uh, you can't be at the funeral. You, you just can't do it. But, uh, so it gets pushed off. So, so then Cholamoid, you bury the dead and that's it. Nothing. No, the no. Mourner doesn't even say Kaddish. No, you you can say no. You say Kaddish because the person's dead now. But Kaddish is Kaddish. Okay. You have Kaddish in Shulan Yontif too. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you, he walks through the. You don't do anything. Right. You don't do anything. Nothing. Nothing. No Kelmole Rachamim. No. What do you call it? The Tzidu uh, Kadin. That it's just it's just bury the person. I was now, of course. You, you know, people, and there's really not supposed to be eulogies. Not supposed to. So what happens? You'll find that the rabbi gets up and says, "You know, we're not allowed to eulogize. It's this and this, but right. we're allowed to mourn. Okay. Or no, we're allowed to speak of his virtues, and it turns into a eulogy." So, 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 what are you drinking a cup? Just bury the person. Like is it, everyone has this Hollywood idea of of celebrating Yiddishkeit, this whole Hollywood idea. There's a halacha that says very clear. People say I don't want to get gypped out of the eulogy. I don't want our zaidi to get gypped out of the eulogy. You know, there's a halacha, is halacha, but if people don't live with halacha because they don't understand what chalamoid is. If the people treat chalamoid like a regular day. They work on it. The only thing they do, all right, it's a longer davening. We'll have to daven 50 minutes early and swallow up the words and hurry up and get through with the mitzvah. Right? And even if it's sukkah, okay, and I'll go and have supper in the sukkah for 10 minutes and go back with it. 
that you don't understand what the yantav is. You don't understand what the yantav is. So of course, I want a eulogy. Do you understand? It's it's misplaced values, and the rabbis, you know, I you know, I'm sh- go ask them why they've justified it. Because I'm going to feel the m- member's going to get angry. Yeah. You know, I've been a member of the shul for thirty years, and my husband died. And rabbi, you can't say anything good about my husband. Mm-hmm. So the rabbi, who did not educate his kahila properly over thirty years, now has to deal with shalom bias issues. If you would have taught them the halachas. And then they understand, well, of course, Rabbi. But then what you can do is do a eulogy after 30 days. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to do that 30 days later. I'm ready a mourner, so let me, let's just do it like, like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. You just don't get it. Halacha is showing you how to go through. So if you're not celebrating Cholomite properly, Avera Goreras Avera. So now you, you, you go and have a eulogy when you're not allowed to have a eulogy either. You understand? And that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, you have, a, we have, let's say, a member of the shul whose their parent dies. So it's not okay, our shul, and I'm not the officiating rabbi. So now, let's look. I'm not going to go to the to the to the to the funeral, right? Rabbi, you're my rabbi. You're not going to the funeral. And then the, the the other rabbi gives a whole eulogy. <laughs> and so, what am I going to do? You know, should I write a letter? Sorry, I'm not going to the funeral. Nothing personal. The halacha doesn't allow it. At that point, the person's mind is just, when you're a mourner, you don't work with your mind anymore. You work with your emotions. And then you're stuck with that. So, uh, but if, but so, so, you, so like, if you ever go to a funeral that's on Cholomite, and you just see they buried in the end, and they, they people going to say, what's the matter? They didn't give him a eulogy? <laughs> what, what's wrong with that rabbi? Why didn't he give him a eulogy? And then he's going to tell the whole town, the rabbi is very not sensitive. I'm glad I'm not a member of that shul. Because that rabbi is so not sensitive. He was a member for 30 years. He couldn't say anything about the, the person. Oh, that's, that's where Kalali Yisrael is. That's where Kalali Yisrael is. But, rabbi, I have one more question. Yeah? Can you do two positive mitzvahs at the same time, like at the same period? Not when they're conflicting with each other. They're totally conflicted. One is simcha, one is mourning. You can't do both at the same well, time. We qualify but if you mourning as a simcha. But you can do it during whole night. You can't have, have a wedding. Can't have a wedding on cholamoid either. So that's so another simcha. So that you, you, no. means you cannot. You can't. No, but you right. can do a brit. Yeah, you can do a bris. Because the Torah said it has to be on the eighth on day. The eighth day yeah. If the Torah didn't say it has to be on the eighth day, you wouldn't do a bris either. Oh, I see. Or on Shabbos even. What do you right. mean? You can't be Machal right. Shabbos. Right. 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 The positive mitzvah of bris. And, and the bris, that bris is like a major mitzvah. It's not like one of, yeah. one of the regular 613. Yeah. It's a major one. And God says you must, under all circumstances, have, or just like Yom Kippur, you must have Yom Kippur even on Shabbos. Right. Yeah. It shows you how important it is. Yeah. Somebody dying, so you bury the dead, but you can't mourn because that positive aspect totally contradicts the whole idea of the simple One last thing. Yeah. So, Yes. Yes. It seems to me it contradicts what you said Thursday morning on Shabbat about Simcha. Why? Because we're, we're doing the right thing at this right time. Thing. No, but you're rejoicing. You're rejoicing on the, on the holiday. No, no, you're rejoicing with the holiday. 
not just be rejoicing, rejoicing with the holiday, which which is not like you know jumping up and down like a crazy person. You re, the real rejoicing. Okay, you know what? It's late. We'll we'll discuss it tomorrow. It's too much. It need, it's too, it's a good question, Shelly. It's a good question. What, what's the what's the what's the point of your question though? You're not honestly. Yeah. I think the definition the rabbi is giving of simcha is not not total. Is is different. I don't agree with it. Okay, so email me what your definition of simcha is. Rejoicing, which is... No, but what does rejoicing mean? No, it, it, okay, you'll have to think about it. it. Okay. I want you to think okay, about, it. about it. We'll, we'll okay. look at the two alternative uh, explanations and okay. work it through. Okay, good. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the question.